Welcome to Creative Biolabs Science Channel. Creative Biolabs is a specialized contract research organization supporting mRNA studies with all-round solutions covering mRNA synthesis, modification, and mRNA therapeutics development. With an unwavering pursuit of innovation and lifelong learning, we keep on producing podcast series related to mRNA technology based on our knowledge and practical experience gained through years of exploration in this area. Subscribe to our channel and keep updated with our podcasts. Good evening, dear friends. Thank you for tuning into Creative Biolabs podcast on immunotherapy. At the end of the last program, we talked about the important role of dendritic cells in immunotherapy and the common strategies to obtain dendritic cells. Dendritic cells are considered to be the most attractive candidate for active immunity against cancer. During vaccine preparation, at every level, there are large or small differences between clinical trials of cancer immunotherapy using dendritic cells. We have also learned that leukopheresis is the most commonly used method to obtain peripheral blood mononuclear cells from patients. Today, we again invited David to introduce us to cell purification methods and a variety of loading dendritic cells. Thanks for joining us today, David. Thank you for your invitation. I'm very excited to be here. As we have talked about before, there are many methods that have been developed to obtain a large number of dendritic cells. Among them, some are already in clinical trials, like the positive selection of CD14-positive monocytes, and the removal of CD3-positive T-cells and CD19-positive B-cells. The advantage of the latter is that monocytes are unaffected. However, as far as we know, there are no reports of adverse events of dendritic cells differentiation using selected CD14-positive cells. But some groups have begun to use an improved method of monocyte purification? I think you mean the counterflow elutriation. Yes, some groups have started using this method due to its many advantages. You can increase the number and purity of dendritic cells at least twice, as much as monocytes based on gradient centrifugation. While, you know, at the same time, the morphology, maturation markers, activity, migration ability, the possibility of electroporation and initiation ability of Melania-specific CD8-positive T-cells can all remain unchanged. And you don't need additional washing or gradient centrifugation for the purification of monocytes by the counterflow elutriation. Yeah, I heard that several groups are currently using this attractive technology to produce dendritic cells, although no clinical trials have been reported using dendritic cells loaded with mRNA produced by elutriation. So what factors affect the process of inducing monocytes into mature dendritic cells? Well, there are several cytokine combinations we can use to differentiate monocytes into immature dendritic cells. However, in all completed clinical trials, dendritic cells differentiation was performed in the presence of interleukin-4 and granulocyte macrophage colony stimulating factor before transfection. The problem we have right now is that the concentrations used are not always international units, which makes the comparison of different studies difficult. Also, the media used during each step of dendritic cells generation will affect the function of the cells. We already know that mRNAs can be loaded on dendritic cells, and antigens can also be loaded on dendritic cells in various forms. That's right, peptides, proteins, genetic materials, 
or the contents of whole tumor cells, can all be loaded. For example, cell lysates, apoptotic bodies, or dendritic cell tumor cell fusion. And among all these forms, which are more widely used? It has to be peptides. They are the most widely used in clinical trials, but of course, there are several disadvantages, like they depend on prior identification and human leukocyte antigen restriction, and the half-life of human leukocyte antigen peptide complexes is very short. Would you say the whole antigens would be more attractive then? Exactly. In fact, dendritic cells modified to express complete tumor antigen presented multiple or even unknown epitopes in many human leukocyte antigen alleles. This will recruit a wider range of T cells. Dendritic cells can load complete tumor antigens in the form of protein, messenger RNA, and DNA. What happens when the antigen is taken up by dendritic cells in the form of protein? Well, they enter the human leukocyte antigen class II presentation pathway to stimulate helper T cells. And then, cross-presentation leads to human leukocyte antigen class I presentation and activates cytotoxic T cells required for tumor eradication. So, what is going to happen when the antigen is genetic material, like when DNA or messenger RNA is used? In this case, antigens are produced endogenously by dendritic cells. It is most effective in human leukocyte antigen class I. In order to obtain helper T cell stimulation through class II presentation, we can modify the genetic structure on both sides of the antigen by human leukocyte antigen class II sorting signal. Which is better, messenger RNA or DNA? Oh, messenger RNA is definitely better. It leads to higher transfection efficiency and lower cell mortality. When messenger RNA is produced, we know that contamination of plasmid or genomic bacterial DNA is not the main problem. Because after messenger RNA transcription and messenger RNA synthesis only occur from plasmids, it is degraded in the step of incubation with DNAs. In addition, the use of messenger RNA bypasses complex transcriptional regulation issues. And after entering the cytoplasm, messenger RNA can easily enter the translation machine, bypassing the need for nuclear factors. And also, using RNA is more beneficial in clinical applications. They are safer and easier to operate. RNA will degrade rapidly after transfection and cannot be integrated into the host genome. This feature is the reason why it can be used in clinics. Which types of antigen-encoded messenger RNA is used to trigger or enhance the anti-tumor immune response? There are two that I know of. One is defined messenger RNA that encodes selected tumor antigens. The other is a total tumor-derived messenger RNA. Oh, I heard that the discovery of tumor-associated antigen is a milestone that led to the use of defined messenger RNA encoding a single antigen. What are the advantages of defined or synthesized RNA over total tumor-derived messenger RNA? So defined RNA can induce tumor antigen-specific immune response. This may reduce the adverse events associated with the use of total tumor RNA, such as autoimmunity or other proteins expressed in tumors. We have discussed above about antigens of various forms that can be loaded on dendritic cells. It applies to tumor-associated antigens and tumor-specific antigens as well? Right. 
but we can distinguish between tumor-associated antigens and tumor-specific antigens. Tumor-associated antigen can be subdivided according to the potential tolerance of its own proteins. The three main groups are cancer germline antigens, differentiation antigens, and overexpressed antigens. Can you tell us more about the cancer germline antigens? Like their origin, their characteristics? Sure. So cancer germline antigens are also known as common tumor-specific, cancer testis, or germinal antigens. They are found in different types of human tumors. Sometimes in the germ cells of healthy adult testis and fetal ovary, sometimes in placental trophoblast. Because they are only expressed in healthy cells lacking human leukocyte antigen class I expression, they are invisible to cytotoxic T lymphocytes. Therefore, the immune response to this kind of tumor antigen only targets tumor cells. The shared tumor-specific antigens include melanoma-associated antigen family members. Sounds like the cancer germline antigens are still relatively targeted to tumors. What about differentiation antigens? Do they have similar characteristics? Not really. Differentiation antigens are not only expressed in tumors, but also in normal tissues of malignant origin. Four antigens in this group have been used in clinical trials and ongoing trials of messenger RNA-loaded dendritic cells. How's the level of overexpressed antigens in cancer tissues when compared with normal tissues? Hmm, much higher. Wilms tumor 1 protein, protease 3, tumor suppressor P53, survivin and human telomerase reverse transcriptase all belong to these antigens. But I think at present, I've only seen publications on human telomerase reverse transcriptase used in clinical trials of messenger RNA-loaded dendritic cells. Isn't it a concern that all three groups of antigens contain proteins expressed in normal tissues? This is a good point. It is a real concern. The existence of reactive T cells in vivo may be limited by the self-tolerance mechanism, especially for high-affinity T cells. The observation that all melanoma-associated antigen A3-specific, human lymphocyte antigen A1-restricted cytotoxic T lymphocyte clones, derived from many patients after different immunotherapies, had a rather poor affinity strengthens this worry. However, for several other melanoma-associated antigen-derived epitopes, cytotoxic T lymphocyte clones with high affinity can be derived. Does high functional affinity play an important role in tumor regression? Well, the answer to this question lies in ongoing research. In a recent study, Peptide vaccination was compared with peptide-loaded mature dendritic cells as adjuvants for immunotherapy. Take melanoma patients caused by antigen-specific cytotoxic T lymphocyte as an example. Their results suggest that high functional affinity is unlikely to be the key to tumor regression. In addition, antibody-specific cytotoxic T lymphocytes can be found in individuals after allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation. This provides evidence that the overexpressed antigen is still immunogenic. Do these latest observations reinforce concerns about autoimmunity when overexpressed antigens are used? Absolutely. This concern is less obvious when using cancer germline genes or differentiation antigens. The cancer germline genes can completely avoid the possible autoimmunity, while the differentiation antigens would limit the rejection to the tissue of tumor origin. You know, 
The severity of complications depends on the type of healthy tissue rejected. You also mentioned another antigen, the tumor-specific antigen. What about them? What can you tell us about these tumor-specific antigens? They are also called unique antigens. I like this name. Yes. Let's see how unique they are. They are only expressed in cancer cells and characterize a single tumor. They can be different in tumor tissue segments of the same tumor node and can be produced during tumor progression. It is a new protein produced by somatic mutations, internal deletions, chromosomal translocations, RNA splicing changes, or normal immunoglobulin or T-cell receptor recombination events of B or T-cell idiotype in leukemia. Wow, that's amazing. Are they more beneficial to patients? In terms of the immune response, they are. They have stronger immunogenicity. In melanoma patients, the natural response to tumor-specific antigen is dominant in class I and class II human lymphocyte antigen-restricted antigens. Is the T-cell population used for adoptive therapy leading to tumor regression targeted at tumor-specific antigens? It is. And patients who recovered after surgery or chemotherapy remain strong over time. However, in the absence of tumor burden, the activity of anti-tumor-associated antigen will gradually decrease. Do you think there is a mechanism by which immunity to tumor-specific antigens is more effective than tumor-associated antigens? There are several mechanisms to support this possibility. For one, we know about tumor-specific antigens' delicate tumor specificity. And compared with tumor-associated antigens, they lack any possible tolerance. And we also know about the multiple expressions of a single tumor. Finally, the resistance to host immune selection under the condition that the unique antigen is essential to maintain tumor conditions. Due to the specificity of tumor, the use of tumor-specific antigens can also eliminate autoimmune problems. So far, no RNA dendritic cell clinical trials have been conducted to determine the use of tumor-specific antigens in the form of antigens. And just like you mentioned, we need to find a more suitable clinical method to take advantage of tumor-associated antigens. So much for our discussion today. Thanks again David, for enlightening us with your expertise. Thanks everyone for listening. We will continue our discussion next week. Until then.